0: You're listening to Faith FM, and that was our news. And right now we've come into the second hour, and it's time for Encounter with God. But before we get into that, we're going to have text messages.
1: Okay, so um, we're finally getting to some text messages. We had a bunch of them sent through from ages ago, but this one reads, Read Marvin Moore's Signs of the Times editor book, The Coming Great Calamity About Asteroids and Scripture. Very interesting, possibly of a part of End Time Events. So that's what Brett has to say. Mm. Not read the book. Not, sounds, no, I haven't read it, but it sounds very interesting. All right, let's go over here. Oh, let me see what here. Where are we going? All right, here we go. Here we go. Dark space mission. Didn't we see this happening in the movies? The thing is that over the years, many asteroids that have passed very close to Earth have not been picked up by the astronomers. Still, you won't know till they try. Mm. So it's an interesting thought. I mean, the great thing about um, asteroids is that we don't have to worry about them. Yeah. The world isn't going to end with an asteroid. <laughs> we yeah, we know how the world's going to end because we've already read the book. We've read the end of the book. But at the same time, I ad- kind of want to send a spaceship to run into asteroids. Oh, it's like... just, how could you not want to do something <laughs> like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's just human nature to blow things up. To run it? into an asteroid at 15,000 miles per hour. Let's <laughs> make a massive hammer, attach a rocket to it, and see what we can smash.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: dude. Let's just shoot space, bro. It's like, it's like all this is designed. I think this is just designed as having fun. This is like, what can we do the, today? NASA doesn't let's want to lose and, their government budget. Let's go and <laughs> smash something big. Let's let's have the biggest hammer that's ever been made, dude. That's awesome. Uh, what else is going on? Um, Okay, so all the weapons placed in space are really there to try and destroy Jesus and his army at the second coming. Mm, Do you think Satan would attempt that? I do. He's insane after all, and his hate has no abounds. He will also try and attack the New Jerusalem on the earth after the millennium. Mm. Interesting thought. Interesting thought indeed. Okay, Joe Biden removing protection for foster care and adoption agencies, another way for pedophiles to take over. Dude, so true, bro. So true. <laughs> it's, it's so bad. What's amazing to me is that many government agencies know this and many good people in these agencies have been trying to stop it for many years, but their bosses won't allow them to do anything. Something got to give. All this is insanity. I will say this, I will say this, that there are many people living in Christian relationships who use their Christianity as a way of gaining trust to be able to adopt uh, or foster children that they can then abuse. Mm. And, of course, that's what lands in the news the most because it shouldn't be coming from Christian agencies mm. or, or Christian families, and so it always hits the news because, like, wow, how did that happen? Mm. Whereas when somebody does it you know, that is not a Christian, we we're not so surprised because they don't have that, you know, that same moral code that a Christian has and it doesn't hit the news and hit the media in the same way. Mm. Okay, Victoria's Law Against Religious Institutions, how will they survive? It's like asking the fox to look after the benefits of the chickens in the pen. It's a very good analogy. Um, all these politicians have gone to war against God. That is the, insani- the definition of insanity. They have already lost. Your own families will suffer the consequences. Yeah, I tend to think that, um, you know, if I was running a church down there, I'd just close all the schools. I just close them. Mm. It's like, we're not going to operate under this. Schools are closed. Andrews, you've got a bunch of extra students to take care of. What are you going to do? Mm. Uh, narcissistic personality disorders. Oh, yeah, we already m- mentioned that one. Um, do you think that the names given to the iPhone and the iPad are a coincidence? Not in a world that Satan claims as his. Well, it's interesting because there's also... Um,
0: Lyle, Lyle's reading that off his iPhone. <laughs> Yikes. Yes, reading that off my iPhone
1: 8, <laughs> which has a picture of an Apple on it with a bite coming out of it. Y- oh, that's heavy, bro. That's why I use Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> A more righteous phone over that's there. That's right. I got an Apple computer. So. But it is very, very interesting that, you know, all of that symbolism, I, I, I you know, everybody's recognized the Apple and where that originates from. Mm. We all get that. Uh, it comes from the Garden of Eden, the concept of the Garden of Eden and the bite out of the Apple. Uh, the iPhone, I hadn't picked that up before. Now I'm just like, wow, that's so obvious. How did I ever miss that? I love studying symbolism and symbology mm. and so forth. Missed that one. Yep. Anyway, let's get into our Bible study this morning and remember, reminder that we would love to hear from you about the Bible study. We talk about all kinds of things here, but the most important thing that we do every day is spend time in the Word of God yes. and we would love to hear your thoughts on the Bible study this morning. So we're going to begin in the book of, let me just find here, Galatians. Chapter oh, six. Galatians. Yeah, and I just want to
0: remind everyone that I am not a narcissist. Oh, yeah. I I good to hear. am not a narcissist. Just just thought everyone should. Know. I'm actually a really good person uh-huh. and uh, not a narcissist at all. So and you don't talk about yourself ever. Never, never. And I just want everyone to actually know that I don't talk about myself because I am not a narcissist because
1: okay. I'm a really good person. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. Uh, you, you, you're one of these people that you're such a good person that you can thank the Lord that you are not like others, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, that parable has to you be... You know, and the, I, think, uh, I think Jesus incorrectly condemned... Oh, no, I don't want to say... I don't want to say... I don't. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just saying blasphemy, guys. I was, <laughs> it was a prank. We were having fun up until that point. <laughs>
1: uh, well done. But it happens. Well caught. It,
0: like, people, people will throw out the Word of God. Like, and, I mean, I, I've personally experienced... Christians, you know, sitting there in Bible study with them, showing them what the word of God says, and like self-professed Christians coming to the conclusion that actually the Bible says that, but I do not agree, so I will not follow. And, you know, just given our study of narcissism and like one of the big points is that you're looking for self-validation. It's like when the Bible doesn't validate you, then it's, I think it's very easy for a narcissist, which is crazy because it's like, how can you argue with God as a professed Christian but even a narcissist in that situation will openly say, actually, no, um, I don't agree with, you know. They'll, they'll phrase it as like, I don't agree with you. Mm-hmm. But in
1: reality, all you've done is read Bible verses to them and they're like, I
0: don't agree with the Bible.
1: That's right. And it's, oh, it's, heavy. it's it is. heavy. It is. I've, I've had people in Bible studies tell me they don't agree with the Bible. Yeah. you know, And, 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 and these are devout Christians, like full-on fundamentalist, mm. evangelical Christians, and you read a verse from the Bible that contradicts their beliefs. Their doctrine that they have an emotional attachment to mm. and they just and I've just had them turn around and say, No, the Bible's wrong. Mm. On that verse the Bible is wrong. I'm like What oh, oh, do I do uh, now? Uh, uh, because is, <laughs> if it's the Bible's much, wrong. It's pretty much the end of the Bible study at that particular point. Yeah. Because if you can decide what portions of the Bible are right and what portions are wrong, then mm. What what point is there in studying it? Just go and do your own thing. Don't don't claim to be a Christian. Just do your own thing and say, hey, I I have an ideology, I have a philosophy that I live my life by, and make it up mm. for yourself. Because that's what you're doing the moment you say that the Bible is wrong or disagree with something the Bible says. And call it
0: Judeo-Christian based, and you can you know be in with Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and be. Famous, I don't know. Like in terms yeah, of, like yeah. that that's literally like a lot of their ideology. The thing, that it frustrates me about,
1: the thing that frustrates me about these guys is they call it Judeo-Christian where it's actually Abrahamic. Mm. And, and, I, and I think that they actually leave out Islam for ideological, political reasons. That's oh, so true. Because the fact is all the things they talk about as, you know, being morals and so forth are all Abrahamic. Mm. You know and, and good ways to live your life and you know etc 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 and they say this is our judeo-christian it's your Abrahamic heritage mm. now when I say Abrahamic I'm talking about uh, Judaism Christianity and Islam I'm not including you know the multitude of other minor Abrahamic faiths because I just don't know enough about them to mm. comment but anyway
0: yeah but I think what we're seeing here is essentially the points being made that people are willing really, I think because narcissism exists, so that people can be validated, they're willing to align themselves with whatever political, you know, or ideology or whatever ultimately gives them status, mm-hmm. makes them seem important.
1: And the thing that I often find is with a lot of the principles that, you know, these guys that claim Judea Christianity as their basis for, well, I'll talk about it in a second.
0: You're listening to Faith FM.
1: Positively different radio. But a lot of the principles are much more heldly, st- strongly held and backed and defended by Islam than they are by Christianity or Judaism <laughs> in a million years. <laughs> you know, it's just mm. look at marriage and the family. Yeah. Islam defends that so much more strongly than what Christianity or Judaism does. Mm. Christianity has been watered down to the point of impotence, and Judaism has become a culture rather than a religion amongst, you know, when I was in Israel, the majority of Jews are atheists or secular people that practice their religion because it's their culture. It's even less of a culture. It's actually just their race for so many of them. For so many of them, yeah, it's Mm. true. Now, not all of them for sure, and Mm. there's a lot of them that are very, very devout followers of God, but... um, yeah. Anyway, we got sidetracked. Galatians chapter 6, <laughs> verse 7 and 8. Let's read this passage. Galatians
0: 6, 7 and 8. This is where the Bible says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the, mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death. That uh, Sorry will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the
1: Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Yeah, wow. Uh, let me read it from the KJV because this is a well-known passage and one that There's I think that's... So needlessly complicated. In yeah, penalty. don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. Yeah. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Mm. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap corruption everlasting life. Yes. It's a really a simple passage right here and it really does go to the discussion that we had earlier about narcissism. Mm. It fits in perfectly with that because you know the Bible says what you what you what you sow is what you will reap and mm. if you sow to the flesh and when the Bible talks about the flesh it's talking about yourself. Mm. If you sow to the if you sow to yourself if it's all about you if you are constantly thinking of yourself if you are constantly looking at you know whatever it might be your church, your relationship Um, from the perspective of what am I getting out of this Mm. rather than what am I putting into it? Yeah,
0: and it extends further as well. You know, career, money, investments, all kinds of things. Like, it's so true that like it's almost corny when you hear people say, oh, you know, don't care about money because you can just lose it all. And it's like, oh, but there needs to be some level of care, right? You need to have some level of 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 caution. And, and you know, people are like, oh, money makes you sad. I'm like, oh, you know, there's arguments against that as well where money can enable you to do a lot of different things and give you a lot of different opportunities. At the same time, um, I've very much been on the other side of life where, like, my parents went through bankruptcy and we went from, like, I I, I grew up, like, quite wealthy Mm -hmm. and not rich not like super rich or anything but my parents owned a company that did well and so we were wealthy and i could race motorbikes and all those kinds of things um and then all of a sudden i'm like 17 i'm like sleeping on a couch in my sister's apartment like my parents have lost everything um and you can learn very quickly it's like yeah putting all your eggs in in one basket and if that basket is oh i just need to you know, grow in the amount of money that I have, and I need to grow in the amount of success that I have for the sake of. You know, it'll just make my life better. Um, when that comes crashing down, you can quickly find that if there's nothing else there, then what's the point of living?
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. No, it's a really good point, and uh, I think you know you've had your your life experience mm. is is a great illustration of that. You yeah, know? And, and and particularly the the challenges that you faced. I mean, when you're parents ran out of money um you had to return back to australia no longer racing bikes anymore and when you don't get that validation that comes Mm. from you know your identity that's right as a motorbike rider Mm -hmm. it hits hard oh totally like and then you find jesus christ amen
0: amen and but i think it's because like you you actually only have two options when you come to a place where your identity that you've made for yourself. And I'm not just reflecting personally. I think a lot of people have experienced this. Yes. And it's this idea that, like, when there is actually, like, when you, when you realize that, you know, this, this castle of sand the, or this house you've built on the sand for yourself that's come, you know, the sand's washed away. It's come crashing down. You've got nothing left. You actually, and this, this is, uh, this sounds kind of bleak, but this is where I was brought to. And I think many people as well is that you realize it's like either there's something more exceptional and more important going on here, aka, like in my life, it's been that there is a God who loves me and cares mm. for me and has a purpose for my life, or life is actually not worth living. <sighs> Ouch. And it's a, a, and if we think about reality, you know, a little bit more objectively, we can quickly come to that conclusion because then, it, you know, the whole idea of like following your heart, as we brought up before, as we were talking to David. That stems from a need to define ourselves and identify ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's why, oh, we need to follow our heart. We need to follow our passion. If, oh, if you work a job that you don't like, you should leave and go to a job somewhere else or, or maybe keep working that job because then it will give you the money to be able to, uh, to do, you know, an extracurricular hobby that then will define you or you have a family and that defines you or, you know, you, do, you everyone is looking for some kind of distraction or something to define them. Um, from the fact that in reality, you're, you're like, without a picture of God in your life and without that kind of external and higher mission that you're given, your life actually means very little in the grand scheme of things. Um, and even if your life is super important, I think of someone like Alexander the Great, right? Mm-hmm. Who completely altered the course of history. At the end of the day, he died a little after the age of 30. From Mm. alcoholism. And what did it matter then? Like everything that he did? Nothing. Like (laughs) literally nothing. Um, And so without that higher purpose, we are so insecure as human beings we are so lost and we are constantly scrambling to attain some kind of identity and purpose so that we can be validated as a way of just kind of shaking off the constant feeling that actually my life doesn't matter in the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things mm-hmm. but that's the thing when we find and this, God, is, this is
1: why alexander kept you know mm-hmm. kept going and conquering and conquering and conquering because only by conquering could he find validation for himself that's right you you look at these emperors of the past and it was you know these were the most narcissistic people on the planet mm and you look at you look at you know Nebuchadnezzar an example example you know yeah. is not this great babylon that i have built for the majesty of myself and the greatness of my name and mm. you know blah blah and, and like every 12th brick he has his name stamped on in in the city of babylon <laughs> you know it's just like it's awesome <laughs> how narcissistic can you get um and and yeah, I don't know. Uh, the The Bible, the Bible study doesn't directly address this, but it certainly follows on from the interview that we're having mm. earlier with David Haupt, where we were talking about this, and uh, what what a fascinating subject. But I feel
0: like, okay, we're going to segue this back to the Book
1: of Deuteronomy. We, we are. are. you ready? Gonna, are you ready all right, for this powerful pro
0: segue? Is that this is the thing? Is that like how you like ultimately find. Solve solace from this gnawing feeling that your life actually doesn't matter no matter what you do and that you need constant validation is realizing that you do have a higher objective purpose that is prescribed to you by God. You're a child of God. That's right. You have a calling. You have a There's calling. There's a reason
1: for your existence.
0: That's right. Um, and then even like within the world that we live in, the world full of sin, you have a mission to mm-hmm. share him with the world because he's coming back soon. Mm-hmm. And now if we segue back to Deuteronomy and the children of Israel, that was what, that was the very thing that they were called yeah, to. They had a mission. They, and I feel like that was their problem with paganism mm-hmm. is that all of a sudden, like they become, when when they had embraced paganism, it all, it became all about self and appeasing gods that would, you know, give them success just for, for success and survival's sake rather than, blessing the entire world, which was the mission that God had given them, um, which ultimately at that point, their their whole existence became pointless, mm-hmm. actually. They were like, why why exist when you're actually contributing nothing to the mission of God? But this is the thing, they've been given a mission. And here, I, I, I don't really know where the Bible study is going, but just as we have, as we've read these two verses here, it seems as though, like this is a reminder to us and to the children of Israel that like, you have a mission to do that's only going to be completed if you are connected to God and the if you are investing in the mission that he's given you. Um and when we say investing, you know, there's some there's some preachers out there who, you know, get around in private <laughs> jets who would say, "Oh, and that Invest investment in is in the ba- is in my bank account so that we can do God's work because if you're so good, you'll reap good." But no, 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 no. What the Bible is talking about here is Investing in God, investing in Absolutely. heaven, investing in your relationship with Him so that He can transform you into
1: someone who can reach others. Yes, indeed. And when the Bible says here, you know, he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, mm. this is the exact opposite of prosperity gospel. Yes. Because prosperity gospel tells you that, you know, you just got to sow, you just got to sow, sow to the Lord's work and you're going to be- get wealthy. Mm. And so. It, it is a doctrine that is saturated in an appeal to the flesh. Mm. And so you'll have people who will give and give and give and give because they want to get and get and get and get. It's basically a crypto scheme. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what it is. It's a, it's a scam. It's a, one of the biggest religion scams.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
1: I've got this amazing uh, thing that's just come through on my phone. Um, you're probably all familiar with, well, I hope you are familiar with Chris Rantle and his story. We featured mm. it some time ago and we spoke about it several times. He's kind of one of our Faith FM heroes around here. Um, you'll often hear from Chris on the text message and so forth. And he is putting together two presentations. Oh, wow. It is. They are called The Parachutes That Failed. Because both of them did. I mean, and the, and the odds of that is just like that's insane off the charts. So it says it got a couple of nice photos of Chris um, on this brochure. It says meet Chris Randall, the happy diver, because that's the um, that's the the Facebook page that he runs. I, I got one of the stickers on my on my laptop. Yep, XADF. So um, what, another really big part of Chris's story is his PTSD. Mm. Um, man of faith who miraculously survived a three kilometer skydive fall. Friday, twenty sixth of November. That's this Friday, seven PM. Saturday, twenty-seventh of November at eleven thirty AM.
0: Mm.
1: Um this is at the Warrnambool SDA Church, one oh one Lava Street in Warrnambool. So if you're in Victoria, um anywhere around that area, uh this would be something I would drive I would drive a couple of hours to go and hear this. Mm. This this amazing, amazing couple of presentations. I hope they actually play them on Faith FM. They need to be recorded and played on Faith FM because his story is just sensational. If you haven't heard it, then uh, yeah, you'll have to dig back through the the podcast. It'll be there somewhere Mm -hmm. from a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get into our Bible study. Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 1 to 10. Well, that's a big skip. We're in chapter 4, now we're in
0: chapter yep we're, we're don't ready. worry about
1: those middle chapters we're going to have to do some big <laughs> skipping if we ever make it to the end of
0: this book we're doing some uh, some big skips alright here we go chapter 30 and verse 1 to, 10. 1 to 10 the Bible says in the future when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you take heart with all these instructions if at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul all the commands I have given you today then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where He has scattered you. Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. The Lord your God will return you to the land that belongs to your ancestors, and you will possess that land again. Then He will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart and your hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him and all your heart with all your heart and all your soul so you may live. Then the Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate and persecute you. Then you will obey the Lord your God and keep all his commands that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will make, will then make you a success, make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock. He will cause your fields to produce abundant harvest. For the Lord will again delight in being good to you. As he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep his commands and decrees written his book of instruction, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Quite the passage. Yes. Okay, so what is God promising here? Everything. Okay. <laughs> Almost so he's 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 promising possession. Yes. Prosperity. Yes. Um Salvation. Yes. Um outflowing blessings uh-huh. from a nation from the nation itself yes. to others. Um, protection mm-hmm. against, you know, those who are their enemies. Um and also
1: delight and joy. It's a big list. Yeah. It's is a whole bunch of verses and it's a big list. What's interesting about this passage is that this passage is all about the curses that come upon them as a result of idolatry. Mm. And God says, all right, if you are scattered, if you are, you know, exiled, this, and if you return to me, this is what I will do for you. Mm. And so you can see this in the story of the Babylonian exile where this actually happened and actually took place. And you can see it, you know, uh, King Solomon repeats this kind of concept um, in his dedicatory prayer for the temple where he talks about, you know, if my people fall into idolatry and they go away from you and you send them into exile, then if they pray towards this city and this house, which Mm. is the city and house of your name, then hear their prayer and restore them to this country. And what it tells me is that God is a God of redemption Mm. because he's talking to, in in this passage which is read in Deuteronomy, he's talking to rebellious people Mm. and he's talking to people who, are very familiar with the concept of rebellion because they've rebelled a whole bunch of times before. You know, right the way through the Garden of Eden, not the Garden of Eden, the wandering in the wilderness, they've been rebelling and rebelling and rebelling and rebelling again, and they've seen the consequences of that rebellion. They're under good leadership. They're not under rebellion right now, and God says, okay, if you rebel, these are the curses that will come upon you, but if you repent, this is what I will do. Now, if you compare that with other gods at that particular time, the other gods that you know, existed, you know, the people had made in their own image. Mm. We're made in God's image. They would make gods in their image. And because those gods were in their image, they were, they were probably most narcissistic gods you've ever come across. And as a result of that, they, um, those gods were not this... They, they weren't gods of forgiveness and redemption. Mm. They were gods of redemptive violence. So, the gods would find redemption for themselves by committing violence on human beings. Mm. And so, if you, you know, if you, if you violated your god and you went and worshipped a different god, then the curses of that god would come upon you, and you would never be accepted back into his good graces ever again. Whereas, when it comes to God, he's like, okay, I, I get it, I get it. You're human beings, and you're weak, and you're failing, and I understand how history progresses and I know that at some point in the future you're going to end up in exile. And so when you do end up in exile, if you return to me, if you if you remember this and you return to me, then I'm going to pour and and, and when he talks about the blessings he's going to pour out, you know, he's pouring these out on the most undeserving people alive, right? Mm. The ones who have gone into idolatry. They've rejected God. But when they come back, he pours out these blessings On those same people who had formerly rejected him. Mm. So you can imagine, you know, when they go into exile, what impact these books had on them. You know, the books of the books of Moses. You know, you can imagine being in Babylonian exile and reading this passage. It'd be a powerful passage to read. And this is why, you know, Daniel does what he does, opens his window towards Jerusalem, towards God's city, towards the temple, and prays three times a day.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right now it is time for... Question of the Day. Alright, so our question of the day is, what
1: was the sign of the prophet Jonah? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 40, the Bible gives the sign of the prophet Jonah. In, verse, in fact, in verse 39... Uh, the Bible says, But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and there will be no sign given it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so here the Bible talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so as Jonah was... Resurrected as it were from the dead, being buried and dead and swallowed by a whale, uh, the Bible talks about the resurrection of Jesus. And this is an interesting passage right here because this is a passage that a lot of people to use to try to defend the idea of you know a Wednesday crucifixion or some people a Thursday crucifixion because they say, well, the only way that you can get three days and three nights out of that is to go back to like Wednesday or Thursday for Jesus to be crucified. And it's because they require exactly three whole days and exactly three whole nights, so an exact 72-hour period. The problem is, and I've said this before, the moment you go one second either side of that, the message becomes conversational rather than legal. So from a legal perspective, if you say three days and three nights, then that's exactly 72 hours. But from a conversational perspective, we talk about three days. You know, I'm going to do something in three days from now. I'm not saying I'm going to do something in 72 hours from now. We all get that. We understand that. And Jesus Jesus spoke exactly the same way. So if you go over to Luke chapter 13 and verse 32, the Bible says, Go and tell that fox, that's Herod, Behold, I cast out devils and I do curses today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will be perfected. And this was a cryptic prophecy of his resurrection. And we see that very clearly in the next verse He said, where he repeats it. He says, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish outside of Jerusalem. And so when Jesus talks about his, uh, his death, burial, and resurrection over that three-day period, he says it will start today. It will continue tomorrow, and then it will end on the third day. And so very simply, it started on Friday, it continued through Saturday, it ended on Sunday. We all get that. That's the kind of language that we all use to communicate with each other these days. Now, what does the Bible say? And what I find fascinating is you find people who will latch on to this one verse, the sign of the prophet Jonah, and they will die on this one verse while ignoring every other passage of Scripture that relates to the return of Christ. So let's look at uh, how this particular period of time is mentioned in the Bible. Okay, so there are ten times in the Bible that says that the resurrection took place on the third day. If it takes place on the third day, that's actually less than 72 hours, less than three days. There are five times where it says that it takes place within three days. Well, that's very clearly less than a 72 hour period. There are two times where it says after three days. That's more. You know, after three days, such and such happened. That's more than three days. There is one place where the Bible says three days and three nights. That's a 72 hour period. And this is a great mistake is to take one passage of scripture and build your doctrine on one passage of scripture rather than Building it on the whole of what the Bible has to say on a particular subject, so there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of points that we need to point out, and first of all uh, is that the women did not arrive to embalm the body and body until Sunday mm. they had plenty of time to do that if Jesus was crucified on Wednesday or Thursday, they had plenty of time to do it before the Sabbath they didn't turn up there until Sunday. That makes no sense if it's a three day crucifixion and or a Wednesday crucifixion. The other thing that is worth noting is that Jesus died on Passover, uh, then he rested in the grave on the unleavened bread and rose on the first fruits. That gives you your three days for the symbolism of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. and that is not uh, that that's what we find defined in the Bible, and that's exactly what happened. Jesus died on the Passover. Rested in the grave and rose to life as the first fruits. You'll find that in first Corinthians chapter five, verse seven and eight. All right, we'd like to remind you every day as you go through this day, spend some time talking faith, living faith, acting faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ.
0: Surely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at
1: Jesus' feet we meet again. Jesus. God be with you till we meet again. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.